Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 818. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 78. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. A while back, I mentioned I was going to join a podcast network, a Christian podcast network, and that has happened with this episode. And so this episode will have a sponsor coming up here in a few minutes, and you'll notice there's also a pre-roll and a post-roll, and that will be different. Uh, One of the reasons that I've done this, for those of you who missed that original announcement, is I'm looking forward to retirement, and it would be helpful to support this podcast to do ads going forward. So we'll talk about Psalm 78 after this break. Did you know that the Salvation Army not only provides services to those in need, but we also produce a network of Christian podcasts you can listen to on your favorite podcast store? One of these shows, Words of Life, is a 15-minute weekly show featuring interviews, testimonies, Bible studies, and more. In April, we'll once again hear from author and pastor Natalie Runyon. She has created a new six-week discipleship course for women to talk about community, women in leadership, accountability, and more. We want discipleship to be what's drawing people, not bounce houses. They're more likely to come back and not just to be entertained. Even in me, you know, making him have to pry it from my hands, he was still saying, but I have something better. It was because of the redeemed saying so, of telling the story of what God had done. When we point people to him, they're going to want to know him. Listen to Words of Life on your favorite podcast store or visit wordsoflifepodcast.org. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is a longer one of the Psalms today. Uh, Here's Psalm 78. It is 72 verses long. I'm going to try and do it in one episode. But because of that, I'm going to break it down in kind of eight verse chunks. So I'm not going to read the whole thing first, but I'm going to break it down into chunks and talk about it as I go, just for sake of time. And this is yet another psalm by Asaph, who we learned last time was appointed by David as an official musician. And this is a maskal. And I had to look that up, but a maskal is basically something that imparts wisdom. So it's a poem or a song that enforces intelligence, wisdom, or piety. And you hopefully will get the sense of why that is as we go into Psalm 78. And it starts like this. My people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. 
We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the laws in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. One of the things I like about a book study is it does put things into context. And so when we see Psalm 77 last week, which is that very common form of, oh Lord, everything is terrible, and then halfway through turning into a psalm of praise, and then this psalm this week, they're a different form. They're obviously both praising God, and this one is specifically not just teaching of what God has done, but talking about teaching what God has done. And so in these first eight verses, Asif basically says, I'm going to teach you the things that God has done. I'm going to talk about the praiseworthy deeds of God who did these things and then commanded us to remember them, commanded us to teach our children. And so Asif is now doing what God has asked And the intention here, we get to in verse 8, that they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So to do these things, we're going to remember what God has done. And he continues on, the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the seas and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness. He gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. And so, again, in so many of these psalms, when we go back to think of the things that God has done, you've got to go back to Egypt. And you've got to go back to the Exodus, and you have to go back to the Red Sea, and you have to go back to God leading them by fire during the night and by cloud during the day and providing them water and giving them food and all of those things that God has done. We have to remember those things. And so he says, the men of Ephraim, they saw these things— but they couldn't keep God's covenant and refused to live the law. They forgot what he had done. They forgot all of these things, all of these things that God did in Egypt and to get his people out of Egypt. And continuing on, but they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willingly put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly, but can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath against Israel, for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heavens. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens, and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them like dust. 
birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside the camp all around their tents. They ate until they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. But before they turned from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. And so we have this situation here where we're back in the book of Exodus and he is retelling what happened in Exodus. Again, he's trying to deliver this message of what happened before to the next generation so that they will remember God's faithfulness. And he says, okay, so you remember that God saved them from Egypt. God led them through the Red Sea. God delivered them water when there was no water to drink. But they acted as if that must be the end of what God can do. Certainly, God can do that, but can't give us food to eat. And it's kind of interesting to think of because before you're at the Red Sea, you would say, well, certainly God can't deliver us by opening up a sea. And then when you're out through the Red Sea, you say, well, certainly God can't give us water from a rock. And then before the man, it's certainly God can't give us bread from heaven. And before the the flocks of birds come and give them fresh meat because they get tired of the manna, well, certainly God can't do that. You can see a pattern here of no matter what God has done, they're sure that that's the last miracle he will perform. That for some reason, he saved them and led them out here in the wilderness to die. And if you think I'm being dramatic, go back and look at these verses in Exodus. And that's what the people are saying. They're saying, surely he let us, why didn't he lead us, let us die in Egypt? Were there not graves enough in Egypt? Which is why he gives them exactly what they ask for and then punish them because of their attitude and because of their lack of faith while the food was still in their mouths, we're told, while they were still eating the food from these birds that had shown up overnight and covered the camp so that there was so much food to eat. And he continues, in spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. So he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. When Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant, yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh a passing breeze that does not return. So he's saying, even with the Red Sea, even with the water from the rock, even with the manna, even with the the food, the, the meat, they kept sinning. They kept not believing. But God continued to bear with them. Now, of course, God continued to bear with them and said they had to be walking around the Uh, Sinai Peninsula for 40 years because they were unfaithful to him when he went to come in. Because again, when they got to the promised land, they said, well, all of this he's done, but surely he can't defeat these people who are in this country. So it kept being this pattern of surely God has done his last miracle. Certainly this is all that God can do. And it says that God restrained his anger towards them. God did not stir up his full wrath because he remembered they were just flesh. They were just a a passing breeze that does not return. How do you feel about being a passing breeze that does not return? It is humbling, but if you look at our lives, 
compared to the life of God, compared to the 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 span and the breadth and the knowledge and the expanse of God, certainly we are like a passing breeze that does not return. Continue on how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power. The day he redeemed them from the oppressor, the day he displayed his signs in Egypt, his wonders in the region of Zoan, he turned their rivers into blood. They could not drink from their streams. He sent swarms of flies that devoured them and frogs that devastated them. He gave their crops to the grasshopper, their produce to the locust. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamore fig with sleet. He gave over their cattle to the hail and their livestock to bolts of lightning. He unleashed against them his hot anger, his wrath, indignation, and hostility, a band of destroying angels. He prepared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave them over to the plague. He struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, the firstfruits of manhood in the tents of Ham. But he brought his people out like a flock. He led them like a shepherd through the wilderness. He guided them safely so they were unafraid. But the seas engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to the border of his holy land, to the hill country his right hand had taken. He drove out nations before them and allotted their lands to them as an inheritance. He settled the tribes of Israel in their homes. It's interesting. This is not in chronological order. Now the writer here, Asaph, has gone back to Egypt and said, not only that, not only did they forget you know, the power of God before the Red Sea, before the rock with, with the water, before the manna, but they had already seen the signs that God had done through Moses in Egypt. They had already seen the plagues that God sent on Egypt, that got Egypt to say, this people that are our slaves, we would rather they go, right? The the gnats and the darkness and the rivers turning to blood and the lo- grasshoppers and the locusts and the hail and the lightning and finally leading with the plague of the firstborn, that event that we think of as Passover, where all the people of Israel who put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts and on their lentils, the angel of God passes over them, but all the firstborn of Egypt die. So he says, not only did they forget him in the wilderness, but they forgot all the things that happened just before that. This is the same generation of people who are standing before the Red Sea saying, oh no, God is helpless. Why did he bring us here to die? The same people who are standing before the rock saying, oh no, God is helpless. Why did he bring us here to die? The same people who are hungry in the wilderness and saying, oh no, God is helpless. Why did he bring us here to die? They just kept not learning that lesson. But he brings them through and now he jumps over 40 years and brings them through to the promised land and drives out nations before them and allots their land to them as inheritance. And he settles the tribe of Israel in their homes. And then we continue, because this is not the end of the story. But they put God to the test and rebelled against the Most High. They did not keep his statutes. Like their ancestors, they were disloyal and faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. They angered him with their high places. They aroused his jealousy with their idols. When God heard them, he was furious. He rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had sent up among humans. He sent the ark of his mighty into captivity his splendor into the hands of the enemy. He gave his people 
people over to the sword. He was furious with his inheritance, fire consuming their young men and their young women had no wedding songs. Their priests were put to the sword and their widows would could not weep. And with that, the psalmist Asaph basically sums up all of the judges in the beginning of the book of Kings. Uh, basically, this pattern of continually going back to the high places and worshiping other gods until God took away his protection and someone wouldn't come in and invade them and they'd be defeated. And then they would remember and they would turn their back to God. They kept repeating this pattern of rebellion, Asaph says. And then he ends with this last section. Then the Lord awoke from from sleep as a warrior wakes from the stupor of wine. He beat back his enemies. He put them to everlasting shame. Then he rejected the tents of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He did not choose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth that he established forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep he brought him to the, be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. Now, obviously, Asaph could have gone on and talked about all the things that happened after David, where they were unfaithful again and worshiped the other gods again and split into two different countries and all of the things that happened, except that Asaph wasn't alive but to see that part. So he's only seen the part of the story that culminates in David, who has appointed him to this job. But he has given us this story of this is what the people of God have done. Now, what do we do with this? One of the lessons that clear from Asaph here is when we ever get to the point that we think, well, surely the, the power of God can go this far but no further, we're wrong. When we think that God has forgotten us, we're wrong. When we have forgotten God, we are also wrong. We are doing what God does not desire us to do. And sometimes, yes, he will take his protection away during those times as he did with the people of Israel so that they would turn back to him. But the power of God has not diminished. The arm of the Lord is still strong. And it's something that we need to remember. And so Asaph calls us to remember it. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.